of it, but what you don't get is you don't get him living the, the human life for 30 years. You don't get somebody that understands, the Bible says, sympathizes with our weakness and sympathizes with our problems. you got to have the birth. you got to have Christmas. Christmas is too important not to have. It's too important not to celebrate. Now, do we celebrate it wrong? Absolutely, some of us do. You know, sometimes we get the focus too much on the fat guy in the red suit. You know, I get it. I understand. Sometimes we focus too much on, you know, what am I getting for Christmas and what am I giving? And sometimes our focus can get off. But, but this today, this series that we're starting is just to help us get our focus back where it needs to be. And most of us, I believe, it's just a, maybe just a, a little bit off. You know what I mean? Like we just want to get where we're supposed to be. And, and the fact is, there's a great story that was told about Christmas. How many of you guys have ever told a story before? How many of you guys have ever lied before? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Um, most of telling stories, no, it's not all lying. But, but have you ever told a story before and then someone else was in the room and they lived the same story you're telling and then they tell it a whole other way than you tell it, right? Which one of you is right? Anybody know? Bobby pointed to his wife, yes. Default answer, wife is always right. Even when she's wrong, she's right, right? Um, but, but no, no, it, it's not that either one of you are wrong or right. It's that you have a different perspective on what that story was all about. That same story struck you differently than it struck someone else. I went and played paintball yesterday. And, um, and then someone came up, my mom came up behind me today. And she just said, hey, you know, son, and put her arm around me. And she touched uh, one of those spots. You know, like when you get shot with the paintball, you tell everybody it doesn't really hurt. That's a lie, like 100% a lie. It hurts very bad. And, and then you tell people it won't leave much of a mark. Another lie. Because I've got marks all over my back. I look like somebody that went through one of those cupping things. I mean, I've got big old bruises. And my mom found the biggest one today. Just touched right on it and dug her fingernail into it. And, and I cried a little bit. The point is, we went and played paintball. There's a group of us that went to play paintball yesterday. And each one of us probably went home and, and told our families a totally different story than the other one did. Right? Totally different story. I told stories of, of people being mean and shooting me in the back whenever I was trying to surrender. And other people told stories of he wasn't really surrendering. He had his gun in his hand, so I shot him in the back at point-blank range. I mean, we all have different stories to tell, every one of us. And it's all the same story, but different perspectives. And so, so what we want to do is for the next few weeks, we want to tell... Um, I was trying not to look at that side of the room. Um, we want to tell... Different versions of the same story from the perspective of different people. So this week we're going to talk about Mary and Joseph. We're going to look at their perspective. And then next week, uh, during Gateway Christmas, uh, the message will be really short. But it'll be from the perspective of the shepherds. And then the next week is our candles and carols service. And that one will be from the perspective of uh, the wise men. And then the last week is an online-only service. So just FYI. December 25th is Christmas. Um, we're not having church here on December 25th. If you want to come to the church, you are more than welcome to sit outside and get out your phone and watch me tell you a sermon uh, about the greatest story ever told. You can do that if you want to. Um, so that's how we're rolling this thing out. So today we're going to be talking about Mary and Joseph and their perspective. And, and a word you're going to hear a lot about today is the word obedience. And I just want to throw this out there real quick. 
Um, obedience has a very close relationship with trust, right? If I trust you, it's easier for me to obey you. And, and I, think, I think as long as we can go ahead and establish that right now, and also another thing to throw out there is the word trust in the Bible is the same. It's used interchangeably with the word faith. The idea of saying that I have faith in God is saying I trust God. But it's bigger than just, yeah, I'm sure he's going to be okay. No, no, no. It is, I trust him wholeheartedly, right? And so whenever, whenever we have faith, faith leads us into obedience. And so that's why whenever people say, um, well, you know, you don't have to do anything to get into heaven. It's just by faith alone that you get into heaven. Totally agree. It is faith that gets you into heaven. But the fact is, if you have faith, then the obedience part, the doing part, is just, just going to flow naturally, right. right? If my kids trust me, they'll obey me. They'll obey me. And so whenever I see a lack of diso uh, uh, an area of disobedience, one of the things I want to check is I want to check that area of trust. Am I giving them opportunities to trust me? So just a couple of things to be thinking about as we move into these stories, right? So the first story is going to be Mary's, Mary's perspective. If you've got your Bibles or your phones, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 1. Um, as you're flipping over there, let me say this to those of you watching online today. Next Sunday, uh, because we've got a variety of videos and music and all kinds of stuff happening, it's not going to be online. So next Sunday, if you want to participate in Gateway Christmas, you need to show up in person. Okay? So just throwing that out there for you guys. All right. Luke chapter 1, verse 26 is where we're going to start. We're going to just read the story here. It says this. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel, awesome name, was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man. Betrothed just means um, engaged, right? To a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he, talking about the angel, came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Verse 29, if you're highlighting today, let's highlight that one. Verse 29, but she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him uh, to the give will give him. Nope, I can't speak today will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I'm a virgin? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be born, uh, will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has conceived a son. And this is in the sixth month uh, with her, who is also called barren. For nothing is impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed. If you're highlighting again, we're going to highlight verse 38 also. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read this. I read that, and I'm going to give you a lesson that we learned from that. And we'll expound on that. We'll talk about Joseph. We'll learn a lesson from Joseph. We'll expound on that a little bit. And then we'll, we'll be close to being done. So lesson number one is don't let fear impact your faith. Don't let fear impact your faith. It could also say, don't let fear impact your obedience, right? Because I feel like God is speaking to us all the time. He's always wanting us to do something. 
but sometimes we disobey or don't obey. Why? Because of fear. Now, the first thing that happens with Mary is it, it says that she was troubled. We talked about this earlier, where troubled means that your mind is going back and forth between your emotions and your thoughts, and neither one are always going to be healthy for you, right? Like, if I base my life on my emotions or just the way I think, I'm in trouble, right? Because my emotions can be up and down, and the way I think can be up and down. God's Word is steady, and I need to build my life on that. But most of the time, as humans... We live according to our emotions and the way we think. And Mary was troubled between these things. She's hearing an angel talk to her. And just imagine, put yourself in Mary's shoes for a moment. Like, like we read the Christmas story and we read about Jesus being born and we read about the manger and all that stuff is great and it's fine. But we forget the reality of what Mary was going through. Mary is being told, you're going to have a baby and it's not going to be by conventional means. It's going to be by God. Now, what is Mary supposed to do with that information? Right? Whenever Perry and I, um, well, she got pregnant. I didn't get pregnant. Um, when Perry got pregnant with one of our kids, I can't remember. After, after the first one, you kind of forget the rest of them. But um, with one of our kids, we, we had the uh, pregnancy test. And um, I think we gave it to my parents. In a bag. How gross is that? I just, it just hit, I just realized that's pretty nasty. For those of you adults that know how you make a pregnancy test work, you don't really want to give those to people, but we did. And, um, and so we gave it to them. And, and it was like so exciting. Yay, we're having um, another baby. You know, like it was super fun and exciting. Speaking of sidetrack, how much time do I have? Quick sidetrack. Have you guys seen the, pic, the video of the woman that gives her husband the pregnancy test? And he thinks it's a COVID test. And he starts freaking out. And he was just like, we were just at my parents' house. What were you thinking? You know, anyways, I just think it's kind of funny. What was I talking about? God, Mary. So Mary gets told she's going to have a baby. You can't just go tell people that. Hey, guys, guess what? I'm pregnant. And everybody's like, wait, wait, what? You're engaged? You're pregnant? Is it Joseph's? No, it's not Joseph's. You know? It's God's. No, no, it's not. You're a psycho. You know, like, you're straight crazy, Mary. And so, so you think about that, how much she's got she's to uh, figure out in her own head. So she's troubled, and then, and then the angel says that she is afraid. He says, don't be afraid. Listen, angels don't tell people not to be afraid because they're confident. He tells them not to be afraid because they're already afraid. Like, it's already happened. She's there, and he's trying to calm her down. And, and, and so what we need to understand is we can't allow fear to impact what God is saying to us. In Psalm 56, uh, this is a great verse for those of you that struggle with anxiety and fear. You, you need to write this one down. Psalm 56, verses 3 and 4, it says, When I am afraid, in other words, it happens to me. It happens to all of us. We all face fear at some point or another. I faced fear a couple of times yesterday, right, when I was playing paintball. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you, in God, whose word I praise. Very important right there, whose word I praise. In God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh or man do to me? 
A couple of things I want to point out that Mary said is she said, number one, she said, I am the servant of the Lord. That word servant there is another word for, um, for slave or maidservant. Um, the, the connotation there means this. It means that you are given wholly to the will of another. When Mary says, I'm the servant of the Lord, what she's saying here is she's saying, I've just gotten this crazy news. I've gotten this crazy request from God. God is entrusting me with a child. This is huge news for a 15-year-old girl. How do I deal with this? And here's the way she deals with it. She says, God, I am fully and wholly given over to your will. Jesus would say it later. He said, not my will, but your will be done. Mary's the one that established that thought. She said, I'm giving my entire will over to you. Whatever you want, whatever you need, whatever you want to do in me and through me, I'm all yours, completely sold out. Whenever God asks you to do something, no matter how wild it is, our first response should not be to argue with him, It should be to say, I'm your servant. I give everything to you. My whole life is yours. Now listen, I get it. It's easy to say from the pulpit. It's easy to say with a microphone strapped to your chest. It's hard to do when you're actually walking it out. But I'm just telling you what Mary did. And last time I checked, God hadn't asked any one of us to be pregnant by him. (laughs) Nobody's asking us to do that. He may ask you to quit your job. He may ask you to get a new job. He may ask you to, to have you know, a conversation that's really hard. He, he may ask you to, to give something away to someone. He may ask you to do some things that are really difficult. But this is one of the most difficult things I've ever seen in God's word. And Mary says, you know what? I've got no other response except to give you everything I've got. The next thing she said is, let it be unto me. She said, whatever you got, I want it. Let it be unto me. I know I'm going to face ridicule. I know people are going to make fun of me. I know nobody's going to believe me. I get it. But I'm totally devoted to you. Whatever you want, God, I'm yours. I'm yours. And then the last thing she said was, let it be unto me. But she said, according to your word. And and I want to just sidetrack for a second. How do I know God's will for my life? Like Mary had an angel come talk to her. and, And we don't always have angels coming and talking to us. So how do I know God's will for my life? Listen, I know God's will by knowing God's word. And one of the things I think, this isn't written in scripture, but this is just my opinion. I think it's easier for Mary to swallow God's um, command here. It's easier for her to understand what God is saying to her because she probably knew the scriptures, at least some of them, to know that there is a prophecy of a virgin giving birth. And so when the angel comes and talks to her about that, that's not completely foreign to her. She understands this is going to have to happen. And she says, if it's going to happen through me, whatever you want, God, I'm here for you. So if I know his word, then whenever God's asking me to do something, all I've got to do is compare what God's asking me to the word of God. And those things should line up. And that'll let me know if it's God or if it's me or if it's some pizza I ate last night. Right? Like, God will let me know because whatever he says is going to be confirmed through his word. Think about this for a second. A popular term nowadays is catfishing, right? Where, where some dude gets on the internet and posts pictures of a girl and says that he's the girl and then trying to get, I don't know what, it's crazy. It's crazy. If you know what catfishing is, then you get it. 
Some of you guys are like catfish, and that's where you stick your hand in a hole and let the catfish bite your hand and pull it out. That's actually noodling. But um, anyways, the point is this. Imagine, remember back in the days when we had pen pals? Anybody that old? You had pen pals, and, and people would write letters to each other, and you never met them. You just wrote letters to them. Um, some of you guys may have met your spouse that way when they were in prison. And so, um, and so you write letters to them back and forth. And, and um, so imagine, imagine one day you're writing letters to, uh, to, to this person. And, and um, let's, say, let's say you're a young lady. Uh, we'll say Emma, for example. Let's say Emma, because um, it's the only way she'll ever date, is writing letters to some guy she can't see. And, and Joe is out there. And every letter Joe writes to Emma, he says... Well, we'll do, we'll do emails nowadays. Every email Joe sends to Emma, he says, he starts off by saying, Hey, Emma, I'm just sitting here eating my peanut butter and jelly sandwich, thinking about you, right? And the next email she gets, Hey, Emma, it's just me, Joe, sitting here eating my peanut butter and jelly sandwich, thinking about you. And every email he writes, he starts off by saying, I'm just eating my PB&J. And then one day, Emma's computer gets hacked, of course, Right? And Emma and Joe have set up to meet at a park for a picnic because Joe ain't coming to my house. (laughs) And so Emma goes to meet Joe, but when she does, two dudes show up and they both say that they're Joe. And so Emma doesn't know what to do, so she opens up the picnic basket and she starts pulling out, what does she pull out? Peanut butter and jelly. And one guy starts saying, get that away from me. Right? I'm allergic to peanuts. And the other guy says, PB&J, that's my favorite. Which one of them is Joe? It's the one whose actions and words line up with his letters. God is not going to tell you to do something that doesn't line up with the word he's already spoken. So whenever you're sitting there wondering... God, what is your will for my life? And, and, and what are the things that you're asking me to do? All you got to do is get, get into his word, know his word, and his word will reveal the truth of what he's trying to say to you. All right, we got to hurry because we got to talk about Joseph. So let's skip over to Joseph here. So Mary gets this word from God. It's wild, right? But now she's got to tell Joseph. <laughs> That's the worst. That's a tough conversation. So she goes to tell Joseph. And so here's what Matthew, how Matthew records the whole story. Matthew's taking Joseph's perspective. And he says this in Matthew 1.18. He says, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place this way. Same story, different perspective. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, right, you get it, coming together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, now it's calling him her husband. Back then, they, they had some odd things about engagement. And it, if you were engaged, it was basically being married, but you hadn't been married yet. So you don't have the full rights of marriage, but they still call him husband and wife, even though they're not, I don't know, it's confusing. Just go, go with me on this one. And her husband is supposed to be future husband, right? Being a just man, listen to that, he's just. In other words... He's not some jerk, right? This guy, he's a just man. He's a, he's, a, he's a godly man. And unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. See, there's lots of laws about people that are cheating. There was laws about people um, having sex before marriage. There, there were some things that would have been done to marry if people would have found out about this. And so what Joseph said was, 
I'm not going to put her up in front of everybody. I'm going to do the right thing. I've got this really good plan, and here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to just send her away quietly. We'll have a little quiet divorce. We'll break off the engagement. I'll send her off, and I won't say anything to anybody, and she won't say anything to anybody, and maybe she'll have this baby off somewhere by herself, and, and I'll just wash my hands of it. So he had a good plan. It was a smart plan. It was the right thing to do under the circumstances. Verse 20. But as he considered these things, he's considering his plan, he's going over it again in his head. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. So right off the bat, we're back to that whole fear thing. We can't let fear dictate our faith. We can't let fear dictate our obedience, right? So he says, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus. So now Joseph has a part in it. For he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Verse 24, when Joseph woke up from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife. But he knew her not until she had given birth to the son, and he called his name Jesus. So lesson number two, his plans are better than my plans. His plans, I should say, are way better than my plans. Joseph had a good plan. The problem is, his plan was a good plan, not a God plan. What we need is we need a God plan. When, when we're facing a, a time when God's speaking to us and he's wanting us to do some things and, and he's stretching us a little bit, we need to know that God always has a plan. And it doesn't matter what idea you and I conceive, we need to know that God's got a plan and his plan is better than our plan and we want to get on track with his plan, right? And, and so, so here's a couple of things to, to think about. Verse uh, uh, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says this, my thoughts, this is God speaking, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways or my plans are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Joseph's plan was good, but it wasn't God. And a couple of things I want to just point out is it says this. The angel told Joseph, he said, don't fear. He said, because this child will save people from their sins. When I'm trying to figure out God's plan versus my plan, one of the things I want to look at is I want to look at the big picture. Joseph's plan would have saved him a little bit of heartache, would have saved him a little bit of embarrassment. It would have saved Mary um, some big trouble maybe in court. So there, his plan had some stuff happening, but in the grand scheme, his plan was very short-term. God's plan was very long-term. And sometimes whenever I, I want to figure out if it's my plan or if it's God's plan, I try to look at what's the big picture, what's the big outcome. And in, in God's plan, it was, hey, listen, this kid is going to save the world. This Christmas story is going to lead us to Easter, and you've got to raise this kid. Like, you've got a responsibility to get him from the manger to the cross. You've got a job, Joseph. And Joseph starts seeing the big picture. He starts seeing the God plan within that. The other thing, again, it, it's just backing up. I'm, I'm just repeating. But I love how Matthew throws in here how God's spoken word through the angel 
correlates with God's word from Isaiah that says a virgin will be born. He just always cross-references himself. And that's what he's going to do in your life and in my life. Proverbs 3, 5. This is one we use a lot, but I love this verse. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. When I trust in the Lord, the, the word trust there means, it, it, it's like to say that I'm going to have a staff or a crutch or, or a cane and I put all my weight on it. And I'm trusting that that thing's not going to break. I'm trusting that thing's going to carry me, Right? It's important to see that I trust in the Lord in all my ways. I give him all my heart. I give him everything I've got. I'm trusting in his plan. Listen, whenever we learn to trust in someone's plan that's bigger than our plan, when we learn to really have faith in them and trust in them, life is so much easier because we're not always second guessing. So we, we do some hunting in our family. We love to hunt and um, we love being in the woods. And I remember uh, there's been plenty of times when my dad... Uh, will give me instructions. And I don't know if your dad's ever done this or if you know people that do this, but my dad's like, now listen, whenever you're going out to this stand, what you're going to do is you're going you're gonna to go down, you're going to go about 400 feet, and you're going to take a right at the double tree. And then when you cross the creek, and after you cross the creek, you're going to take a left at the old stump. Not the stump that's got a hole in it, the stump without a hole in it. And then you're going to turn another right, but just go about 40 degrees to the east. And the whole time I'm on the phone going... Can you just put some markers in the trees? Like, is there a way to put breadcrumbs on the ground? Is there something? Because I get in the woods and I'm going one, one foot, two feet, three feet. I'm at 400, you know, and I can't figure out where I'm going. So I get confused sometimes. But when I was younger, one of the things I loved to do, because when I was younger, my dad would go hunting with me instead of just sending me out. He'd go sit in the stand with me. And so one of the things dad would do is he'd say, just follow me. And we'd take off through the woods, and it was, it was you know, uh, the sun hadn't come up yet, so it's dark. And we've got flashlights, but you can't flash your lights out in the woods. I got in trouble for that one, right? So you got to shine them straight down. And, and um, listen, I was 25. So anyways, so you're, you got your flashlight, and you're, you're pointing it straight down, and you're trying to see where you're walking. And the cool thing was is every time I would go hunting with dad, I would just get right behind him, and I would just follow right behind dad. And as I'm walking through the woods, I don't know why I'm hunched over, I walk normal. As I'm walking through the woods, like I would see dad step over something, and I would immediately start stepping over it, right? Dad would turn left, I would turn left. He would turn right, and I would turn right. And I'm just following right behind dad. Now later on, I didn't know where I was going when I tried to go by myself. But as long as I was with dad, I was so confident everywhere I went. I didn't even have to think. I just followed. I just followed right along. And listen, what happens to us as humans sometimes is we try to do stuff on our own and we get lost in the woods. We're trying to find the tree stand and we can't find the tree stand. We can't find our own property. We end up out on the Highway 11 somewhere. We don't know what we're doing. But as long as we follow the Father, as long as we're following His plan, He will lead us and guide us over every obstacle, around every pothole. He leads us and guides us exactly where He needs us to be. And whenever we're following him, we don't have to think hard. We don't have to worry. I never worried one time when I was following dad through the woods. I never worried about, are we going to make it there? I knew we were going to make it there. Why? Because I had complete and total trust in him. He knew where he was going. I didn't have to know where I was going. And sometimes I think when we go to God or when I go to God, I tell God where I want to go. And I think I've got to know every step and every turn 
And, 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 and every, I, I want to know it all, God. I need all five steps. And God's saying, if you'll just follow me one step at a time, I'll get you exactly where you need to be. The last one is this. Lesson number three. And this is where we're going to end the day. I trust and obey even when it doesn't make sense. I trust and obey even when it doesn't make sense. When it goes against what's popular. This is from Adam, I mean from Adam and Eve. This is from Mary and Joseph, right? Mary and Joseph. They had to trust God, they had to obey God, even when they knew everybody was going to be against them. They knew it wasn't a popular decision. I have to learn to trust and obey God even when it goes against my own promotion. How many times has God spoken to someone about doing something at their job and helping someone else? I know there's been times Perry and I were talking, and, and, and I think Perry's a phenomenal teacher, and she's won awards, and she's incredible, and I love her, and, and she's wonderful at teaching. But there's been times when, when she felt like she needed to share her ideas with other people, and then those other people took her ideas and went and got credit for those ideas. And they got promotions, and they got awards, and they got whatever for her ideas. But you know what? Sometimes when we obey God... It's not about what we get out of it. It's about just the sheer act of obedience. I have to learn to trust him even when it goes against my desire. I've got one little story, and then I've got just a couple little recap thoughts, and that's where we're going to end the day. My one little story is this. I came across this just in study, and I just thought it was really cool. Ready to go? I think I wrote this to you, Perry, in one of your notes. Two, three. And the story is about the two gardens in the Bible. If you read the Bible, in the book of Genesis, the Bible says that there's a garden called the Garden of Eden. And in the Garden of Eden, God plants Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve are given some options of obedience. They're given some options of trust. God says you can eat of any tree, you can have any fruit you want, any vegetable you want. The only thing I'm asking you to do is I'm going to ask you to not eat from this one particular tree called the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat from that one. You can have everything. The world is yours. Just don't touch this one tree. And the problem is they've got the option here of obedience. They're, they're, they've got the option of trust and faith, but they just couldn't trust God enough. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that that the serpent came and he tempted them. And the way he tempted them was by really hurting their ability to trust God. He said, did God really say? And whenever they got in their heads a lack of trust in the Father, they disobeyed and they sinned. They allowed their desires, their emotions to overtake them. The Bible says that Eve looked at the fruit and she, she desired it. She saw it was good to, to, to eat and it looked pretty and... And she allowed her desires and her emotions to get the best of her. And they disobeyed God. Fast forward to the New Testament. Fast forward to to Jesus going to the cross. And before he goes to the cross, the Bible says he goes to a garden called Gethsemane. And he goes to pray. And when he gets in the garden of Gethsemane, he's given the option again. Just like Adam and Eve were given the option of obedience. 
But this time, his thing is, I've got to go to the cross. I'm going to have to die for the sins. It was already prophesied to my mom and dad that I would save the world from their sins. And this is what I've got to do. This is where we are. And the Bible says that Jesus prayed. And he says, God, if there's any way to take this cup from me, do it. He said, but if not, your will be done, not my will. Two gardens. And today we find ourselves in one of those two gardens. Are we going to live in the garden that is ruled by desire? Are we going to live in the garden that's ruled by promotion? Are we going to live in the garden that, that doesn't have a lot of faith and doesn't have a lot of trust, that kind of leans its own direction? Or are we going to live in the garden that says, your will, not my will? Live in the garden that says, God, whatever you want, I'm your servant. To live in the garden that says, even if it doesn't make sense, I'll obey you. Which garden are we going to choose today to live in? Let me give you three quick thoughts and you can stand up to help us in those gardens. To help determine which garden we're going to be in. Go ahead and stand up with me. Stand up. We're about to pray. Three quick thoughts. Number one, don't trust your emotions. Just recapping. Don't trust your emotions. Your emotions will tell you that what you want to do is better than what God wants you to do. Don't trust your emotions. Don't trust your feelings. Feelings change from one minute to the next. All you got to do is, is watch a human for about 10 minutes, and you're going to see emotions and feelings change from one minute to the next. Don't trust your emotions. They'll lie to you. Trust God. Number two, focus on his word. If you want to know if God's, if God's leading you today to be obedient in a certain area and you're struggling with that, get into his word. Get into his word. Read his word. Write down what his word says. Take notes on some stuff. Try to, try to ingest and consume the word of God as much as you can because that's going to help you to know God's will for your life. And number three, connect with a hope giver. What is a hope giver? A hope giver is very simple. Someone that gives you hope. And as I was reading the story of Christmas, as I was reading the birth of Christ, one of the things we read about, and I didn't get into it too much, although we mentioned it a little bit in Luke, is that Mary had a cousin named Elizabeth. And Elizabeth was a little bit older and past her prime, and, 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 and they said she was barren and she couldn't have babies. And, and all of a sudden, the Bible says that Elizabeth got pregnant. Her husband, she and her husband conceived, and, and she was going to give birth to John the Baptist. Well, Mary is told, the angel tells Mary, Elizabeth is pregnant too, and it's miraculous in a different sense. It's still miraculous. And you know what the Bible says Mary does? Mary takes off and goes to Elizabeth's house and then hangs out there for a few months. She hangs out there with somebody else that knows what she's going through, somebody else that can sympathize with what she's going through, somebody else that can help her. Now, Jesus tried that when he went to the garden. The Bible says he took his disciples and they all fell asleep on him. But can I tell you something today? Maybe you're going through something. Maybe God's asking something from you and you feel like it's a lot. I want to encourage you every Sunday morning, we have prayer down at these altars and we ask people to come down and be hope givers. These people aren't down here to rail you or tell you what to do and not do. These people are down here to pray with you and encourage you and love on you and give you hope. So today, whatever you're going through, 
Maybe you're not serving God at all. And maybe the call of God on your life is simply to give everything to Him. Maybe what God's asking of you today is to put your faith and your trust. Put your faith and your trust in a child that was born, that lived 30 years on this earth, that went through everything that you went through, that goes through everything that we've gone through, and then died a sinless death, only to be raised again to forgive us of our sins. Maybe that's what God's asking you today. Whatever it is, I'm going to just pray over you real quick. We're going to sing one more song. As we sing this song, my prayer team's going to come down, and they want to pray with you. I want you to connect with a hope giver this morning. I want you to connect with a hope giver this morning. Prayer team, you guys come on down. God, right now, I just pray over everybody in this room. God, that you would make us bold and courageous. God, we curse uh, fear in Jesus' name. You didn't give us a spirit of fear, but a, a, a sound mind. And so, God, today I pray that you would help us have a sound mind. Because, God, you may be speaking to some of us. You're drawing some of us. You're asking us to do some things, God, that, that may be unconventional. You're asking us to do some things, God, that may not make any sense to the people around us. And maybe our family won't understand it. And maybe our, our relationships won't understand it. But, but, God, you're asking us to step out in faith. so, God, today I pray that you would help us have that sound mind. Help us to be bold and courageous. Help us to step out in faith. In Jesus' name. If you need prayer this morning for anything, step out from where you are. Come down to the front as we sing this last song.